Taylor, thank you so much for being here. I am so, so excited to have you on my podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so I've been fangirling over you for a long time. And um, to say I'm excited to have you here is just the biggest understatement because you are a powerhouse. You're young, you're beautiful, you're bright, you're humble, all the things, and you are just such a powerhouse. So I just, I really want to say how much I appreciate all the work that you do. And I just am so happy that you're here, genuinely. Oh, my ego is loving it this morning. <laughs> I was going to wake you up so early. I have to yeah. make sure that you, know, you feel good about yourself, right? <laughs> I don't normally get this many compliments before breakfast, so thank you. <laughs> Stick with me. Could you kindly introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Steph Taylor. I'm a digital product launch strategist, which is basically a fancy term for I help people to create online products that allow them to scale their business, make more money, have more freedom, and ultimately design a life that they love, not one where they are tied to their inbox and, you know, constantly at the beck and call of difficult clients because I've been there and it gets really exhausting. So that's what I do most days. <laughs> I also have a podcast called Socialette, which is a bite-sized online marketing podcast. I've been doing that for about three years and I accidentally started teaching people how to launch podcasts as well as digital products. So that's kind of my other little, it, it all falls under the same business, but that's my other little interest that I teach people about. I love it. And you are the answer to so many people's prayers. And I'm speaking to my own self, you know, selfishly, because so many people out there are trying to build a business similar to what you have or in the online space and figuring out how to kind of build it, scale it and be as successful as you are without actually hating their life is, is such a unique place to live in and be in. So I, I cannot wait to ask you more about that. So before we dive into all, I've got a laundry list of questions. Cause like I said, I'm a major fan of yours. Can you maybe just take a, a pause and go backwards for a moment in time and explain to us kind of where your career really began and then how you ended up where you are today? Yeah. Okay. So I was working in a corporate, um, a corporate finance advisory kind of role in, you know, the, the stark white cubicle. That's where it all really began. And it was... I, I was really feeling disenchanted with this whole experience of what was supposed to be the dream grad role. You know, all of these grads apply for this one job and I got it. And then I was there and I thought, this can't be it. Like this can't be all that there is. And aside from that, you know, I'm also a really avid traveler and I thought I can't travel as much as I want to with just four weeks of annual leave each year. I know you guys in the US get a lot less leave than us. I mean, we get four weeks, <laughs> which probably sounds like a lot to you. But for me, I was like, this is not enough. So I started thinking, oh, it'd be cool to have a business. I started listening to a bunch of business podcasts, never really did anything about it. And then one day I had this idea. I thought I'm going to start a health food subscription box. Complete world away from what I do now. And I started creating this subscription box as a side hustle. I had to keep it completely secret from my day job. I couldn't have them knowing that the reason I wasn't working huge hours of overtime was because I was going home and then working on my side hustle. And I was hustling, hustling, hustling. I was getting up at 4 a.m. to work on my business, then going to work, then coming back and working on my business a little bit more. 
And two weeks out from the date that I had planned to launch this business, I got really sick. I woke up in, I think it was a Monday morning with a bit of back pain. And by that night, I was in the emergency room with a full-on kidney infection. And I spent a whole week in hospital and then another week on sick leave. And getting back to work, the first day back at work, I remember looking at my desk and there was just this mountain of paperwork and I burst into tears. And I'm not somebody who cries at work or in public or anything. And I was just like overwhelmed by the fact that nobody seemed to care that I was sick, I was exhausted, and there was no way I was gonna get through all this paperwork. So a month later, I handed in my resignation and I was like, cool, I'm going full-time into this business that is nowhere near profitable. I don't have a whole lot of savings. And I ran out of money within about three months which was a really fun time. So what I did was I then went and worked for a startup three days a week doing their digital marketing. My boss there was fantastic. He really encouraged me to get back out there and give business another try. And that was when I started working with marketing clients, which was fun. I loved it at the start. I thought, this is great. I get to do all of the, I get to do the social media. I get to run Facebook ads for my clients. I get to do the stuff that I love doing and help other people's businesses grow. That was great until I decided at the end of 2017, I want to go and spend some time overseas. So I moved over to the UK for a few months and I was taking client calls at 3 a.m. I was waking up to an inbox full of emergencies. I think I, it was Sunday at 8 p.m. I had a client message me because there was like one tiny little mistake in her sales page copy that couldn't wait until Monday morning. It was an emergency. And I realized at that point, I thought this isn't the life that I want to create. I want a life where I can travel. I can almost pack up and leave my business. I don't have to worry about client emergencies or anything like that. So I'd created an online course and I knew that this was bringing in some money, but I hadn't really doubled down on it or anything. And by relaunching it a few times, I started to bring in a little bit more money. And I thought, okay, there's, there's a little something in here. I created a few other courses. I launched those, started bringing in a bit more money and I thought, okay, this is cool. This is cool. But the problem was I was kind of the marketing generalist. Nobody really knew me as, you know, the Instagram person or the Facebook ads person. I was the everybody, everything person. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I sat down with a coach and I said to her, I said, like, I don't know what to niche down into. Like, I'm not known for one thing. She said to me, she said, well, it sounds like you like launching. She's like, you're launching all of these courses left, right and center. It, everybody else hates launching maybe you're the launching person. And that was like this bright, like, ah, oh, of course, that makes so much sense. So that happened. I niched down a couple of years ago. And since then I have now started, I, I now have a course teaching people how to launch a podcast and a course teaching people how to launch a digital product. So whether that's a an online course or a membership or a group program, a mastermind, anything that can really be packaged up and sold at scale, I help them to launch that. And I think to date, I've taught over 100,000 people in my free masterclasses. I've had over four or 5,000 students through my programs and yeah, it's been, it's wild. <laughs> I look back on it. I'm like, those numbers can't be right, surely. 
Yeah, and you have done some incredible both work and numbers, you know, to to align with the value that you bring. I've I've heard you share, which is staggering, actually, and it's it's crazy. So, so then you made it back to Brisbane. Is that where yes. you're from? Yes. So I was overseas. I spent the whole of 2018. I spent half of 2018 in the UK and then half of 2018 in New Zealand where my parents live. Oh, I love New Zealand. And then I moved back. Oh, I love New Zealand as well. I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the world, I'm sure not. No. What would you say in terms of people that are trying to launch their courses? We're going to get to digital products, by the way, because mm. I do want to touch on that as well. Yeah. Okay. So for digital courses, what I loved, you had a podcast where you actually had your spreadsheet in front of you and you're like, I made my first launch. I made $2,517.93. And then it like doubled. And you know, you sharing that is so helpful, by the way, it really was so helpful because it gave those of us that were kind of just getting our feet wet to say, okay, she didn't start off making, you know, a million dollars a year. Mm. She, it's been, you know, a steady build. So to that end, I've heard you say things like, you know, you have to launch over and over again. So what is your advice in terms of going from live launching to evergreen? Mm. At what point should you do that, if ever? Yeah, well, I think first, the first decision or the first question you need to ask yourself is, is this product suitable for evergreen? So for example, if it's a course that you're teaching week by week, live via Zoom, that probably isn't suitable for Evergreen. If it's a course where community is such a big aspect of it and you don't want to be managing a community 24 seven, 365 days of the year, that's also probably not suitable for Evergreen. If it's something that's like a standalone product where you don't need to be in a community managing it, that you don't have a community attached to it, there's no live component, that's a good product for Evergreen. So once you've worked out whether your product's actually suitable for Evergreen or not, then you need to live launch it a few times. A lot of people think, well, I'm just going to create an Evergreen product, put it on my website. It's always available. Doors are always open and people can just buy it whenever they want. And that is a recipe for a product that doesn't sell. Uh, I, I recommend live launching it. I know um, Amy Porterfield, who's the digital course queen, she always says, you know, live launch it. I think it's like three times. With my evergreen product, the one you were talking about, that the first launch was $2,000. I live launched that three or four times, I think. I, and I think I did the webinar potentially five or six times because I was so scared to put it on evergreen. I thought it's easier for me to just keep doing these live webinars that are consistently bringing in $2,000 each time rather than trying to put it on evergreen, putting money into Facebook ads with no guarantee that it's going to convert. So I highly recommend doing it live for a few reasons. You've got a lot of people going through your webinar at once. So you get a lot of feedback. You get to see what questions people are asking. You get to see what, what's holding them back from buying, which means that when you set it up evergreen, you can address all of those things in your sales copy, in your emails, in your webinar. Once something's evergreen, it's actually really painful to try and change things so you know like if once you've got your whole your webinar recorded you don't want to have to go back and redo your webinar so we want to get that we want to get everything dialed in as perfectly as you can before you put it on evergreen 
Does that make sense? Oh, that makes such sense. That's brilliant. It's wonderful. Keep going. I'm captivated. (laughs) Um, And the other, the other reason is when you're doing it live, you've got the numbers going through that you can, so you can see percentages and you can see them in a meaningful way. So, you know, like if a hundred people go through your webinar and five people buy, you know, okay, that's my webinar converts at 5%. You can then say, well, this is how much I'm paying for Facebook ads for each person to attend my webinar. This is how much it's costing me to acquire a customer. This funnel is profitable or it's not profitable. Whereas with an evergreen system or an evergreen funnel, you're putting money into these ads and you don't know until you've got a lot of people who've gone through it, whether it's converting or not. Yeah. And to that end, you're, you're speaking to a point I wanted to ask you about too, which is around the lead generation piece. So Mm. how, I guess we're, let's just speak in the, I mean, I kind of wanted to actually ask you this broadly, but let's maybe speak in the terms of evergreen. How, how do you acquire new leads? And also I wanted to give you a chance to explain about the open cart and closed cart for Evergreen that you think is a working strategy. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with this, the second part of your question, the open and closed cart. Um, because my, so my Evergreen product, the A to Z podcast launch plan is always available. My open and closed cart strategy is bonuses, bonuses and price increases. Okay. okay. So somebody can buy it. So somebody can buy it at any stage full price with no bonuses if they want to. But what happens is when they go through the funnel, they can get the different bonuses and they can get it before the price goes up. So that's adding that urgency. It's adding that scarcity because otherwise if they could buy it anytime, what's, why wouldn't they buy it next week when they have more money? We all, you and I both know as business owners, they're not going to have more money next week. It's all, there's always going to be something else that becomes a priority. People find the money for things that become a priority. And by adding the bonuses and the price discount, we know we're just making it more of a priority for them to buy it now. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, if it's still not a priority for them, that's fine. That, that, that might be for them in six months time, but we just want them to take that action now. Um, to answer the other part of your question, the lead generation. So most of my leads now come through my Evergreen Masterclass. I run Facebook ads directly to that Masterclass. And also through, I have a $27 tiny offer bundle called the Digital Product Creators Vault. And that isn't a profitable product. It kind of nets out at zero, but that's I run Facebook ads to that and that's where I get a lot of higher quality leads who are willing to pay money for a product rather than the old traditional system of here's my ads for my free ebook, download my free ebook. I did that for a long time and I got a lot of good leads, but I also got a lot of really crappy leads who weren't, they were just out there looking for free stuff. So now I get fewer leads, but they're the ones who are willing to pay $27 for something and actually take a bit of action. Got it. And so that's very, very helpful, extremely helpful. So having the delineation and understanding what constitutes a good product that could be evergreen, you think you should still launch it three to four times. So like you said, you're dialed down, et cetera. That's very helpful. Um, the lead generation piece using ads and then these different lead magnets, um, your, your webinar um, is very helpful as well. What is a good, and maybe this is not just for an evergreen product, but kind of in general, for someone that is running a course, what is a good conversion rate 
Is there, <laughs> is there a magic number or does it depend on your business? Is, it, is there an industry number? There's no, there's no magic number. I would say the number that you want to look at is um, cost per lead and earnings per lead. So the first time you launch, you might not spend any money on Facebook ads and that's totally fine. That's so understandable. If you already have an audience, you don't really need to the first time you launch. But after that, you're going to start looking at, okay, I need to start getting I need to start growing my email list. I need to start getting more people through this launch. And that's when you might start investing in Facebook ads, Pinterest ads, Google ads. And that's where we want to start looking at, okay, how much is it costing me for each person that I'm getting into this launch? And on average, how much money am I making per person? And as long as you're earning more per lead than you're spending per lead, then that's great. Keep, keep putting money into ads, keep getting people into the launch. Um, I've, you know, like I've seen some, uh, my evergreen webinar, which is for a $197 product that converts consistently at over 10% live. Whereas my live webinar for my $997 product consistently converts at about 5% live. Both of those are good. It's just very, you know, wildly different products. Um, asking somebody to drop $997 live on a webinar is very different to asking somebody to drop $197 live on a webinar. So yes. there are a lot of things that vary. Also when you're launching to a warm audience, so the fir- typically the first time you launch a new product, you will get a much higher conversion rate because there are a lot of people in your audience who have been following you for a while. They've been subscribed to your emails for a while and they are just excited that you've launched something. So they'll buy that. Then the next time you launch it, you might be launching to a colder audience, which means it's actually a lot harder to convert those people because they don't know you, like you, trust you as much as the people who've been following you for a while do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting that I see that you're leveraging paid ads. I had dabbled in it, but it feels actually very overwhelming because it's there's real, I mean, as I quickly learned after you lose a couple hundred dollars, that there's a reason why this is a whole separate industry. There are actual mm-hmm. ad agencies that, you know, lead people's or business strategy around paid ads. So I guess, I think it's a little tricky, especially for people that are kind of newer in their business to know when is the right time. And then when you decide, I feel like, you know, you can go down the path of attempting to learn the strategy on your own, or you could hire out Mm -hmm. or build out your team in that respect. Well, how did you kind of approach or embark on the journey in the world of ads? Yeah, I'm lucky because when I was working in my digital marketing role at startup, they encouraged me to basically play around with Facebook ads and they, we put a bit of budget into it. So I, I'm very much self-taught and my first online course that I taught was actually a Facebook ads course. So I like, I'm lucky because I do know a lot more about Facebook ads than your average business owner. And that's why I still haven't outsourced the Facebook ads part of my business. Um, There was a point last year, about almost this time last year, where I was spending about $10,000 a day on ads, which, yeah, I know, I know. But the problem with um, the problem with outsourcing to an agency is often they will take a percentage of ad spend. So that really cuts into the profitability. And I was like, well, these ads are profitable. I'm, I'm enjoying running them. 
I'm doing a good enough job. I'm just going to keep them myself. So I still haven't outsourced that part. Um, I would say for anyone who's thinking about dabbling in Facebook ads, start before you need to because Facebook gathers, the more you, the more you run ads, the more data Facebook gathers about your business, about the kinds of people who buy from your business. And it stores that data and it uses that to optimize your ads in the future. So the first time somebody starts running ads, they might actually be a bit more expensive because Facebook doesn't know like, oh, this is the kind of person who buys, this, um, this is the kind of behavior. They don't know any of that stuff. So it takes a lot of time for them to optimize it. Whereas somebody like me who's been spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on Facebook ads, Facebook knows exactly who to deliver my ads to, to get conversions. So they've got, a, they've, they've learned a lot and they can optimize those ads really well. So if you can start doing it early on, then that allows Facebook that momentum to start optimizing it. Wow. That's very good to know. And I do recall you saying that about Facebook. Um, I remember you had a podcast, you've probably had a couple podcasts on that now, but um, I remember the beginning of quarantine listening to that. So um, thanks for sharing that. Okay. So now let's see, I want to, I do want to ask you about digital products. And I also want to ask you about scaling teams because those are two, two big things. So let me ask you something. I'm about to launch my first ebook. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you know, I've heard, I think it might be a Grant Cardone framework, having a value chain in your business. So you have your free content, like our podcasts, our lead magnets, things of that nature. Then you have a digital product, $37, $27, whatever, then maybe a course. And then maybe there's a higher paid, you know, one-on-one -on -one or membership or some other signature higher ticket item. One, what do you think of that framework in terms of our overall product offering? And then two, any tips for someone newly launching a digital product? Do we need more than one? Anything that you can share around that for us mm. to be better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of that framework and I think frameworks are great because it gives people, it gives people a bit of direction. Often people will come at it and they're like, well, I don't know what to create and launch. So I'm just going to launch all of these different things. And there's no, there's no real, <laughs> there's no real journey that they're taking their student on. I, I'm a big believer in creating products that move your customer through whatever journey you need to take them on. So for example, I've got my launch magic, which is my big signature course on how to launch any kind of digital product. But the, the kicker there is they need to know how to create a digital product first because that's not a course about how to create a digital product. It's a course about how to launch it. So that's where I then brought in my $27 product, which is teaching people how to create the digital product. So the journey is somebody comes in, they buy my $27 product, they learn how to create their digital product, then they learn how to launch it. Then I also have the podcast launch plan where people are learning how to launch a podcast. And as part of that, I'm like, hey, did you know that digital products are a really good way to monetize your podcast. And that's how I get them into the vault, which then gets them into launch magic and vice versa. I say, you know, once you've got a course and you've launched it, a podcast is a really good way to start to grow your audience. And I get them across into that. So it's really looking at what kind of journey you're taking people on through your business and how you can make sure that somebody's not just buying one product, but how they're coming back to you for different things. 
Um, in terms of whether you think people should have, you know, like lots of different ones, I always say double down on one. It's, it's really hard when we have all of these ideas, like we're, we're entrepreneurs, whether, whether or not you call yourself an entrepreneur, if you have a business, you probably are an entrepreneur. And the problem is we have too many ideas. We don't, we don't suffer from the problem of not having enough ideas. We have too many and yeah, right. <laughs> and having to choose, having to choose our ideas is the hardest part. So what I see way too often is somebody will start creating something have another amazing idea, start creating something else, have another amazing idea, start creating something else. And they have no products that they can actually sell, but I, they have all of this IP that's sitting around in these like half baked products. What I would recommend is just creating one product first. Even if your big vision in the future is to have a whole library of products, just start with one and launch that a few times because you will, you will learn so much from launching that product a few times. Once that one is sorting, once it's either evergreen or you've got the live launch dialed down, then you can look at, okay, what's the next product I'm going to create? And then put a whole lot of time and effort into launching and relaunching that one. And then the next one, rather than trying to do all of the ideas at once. Yeah. Love that. That's very helpful. And uh, I also love the concept of the customer journey is, is super, super important because it really informs your particular business strategy, you know, all designed around your particular audience and customers. So that's just brilliant. Um, I guess... So say that we're going to launch our first ebook. Do we need to be running ads, webinars, um, just talking about it on social media, any of, uh, you know, email, all that stuff. Like, is there a specific, like, what are the must do's we have to do? Talk about it on our podcast, mm -hmm. things like that, that you recommend. Yeah. So the biggest must do I would say is start building an email list everyone focuses so much on Instagram because it's so sexy and glamorous and everyone wants the followers. But I, I don't know about you, but I know in my business, people convert so much more from email than on Instagram. And that's even with the whole swipe up link. Like for people who don't have a swipe up link, it's really hard to get people off Instagram. Um, so I would start building an email list and I would start sharing content with your audience, wherever your audience is, whether that's on Instagram, whether you have a podcast, emailing your email list, sharing content with them that's going to get them to the point where they need to be to be ready to buy your product when you launch it. So the question is, you know, what do they need to know from me before they'll be ready to buy? and then creating content around that. And a lot of the time we assume that they already know things, but we actually need to get out there and we need to talk to them and we need to find out what they already believe, what they know about the thing that you're teaching. Um, so for example, one of the big knowledge gaps that my audience had was they, they thought that creating a digital product and launching a digital product was the same thing in their minds, they were like, oh yeah, like it's, you know, I'm going to launch a digital product this year, but they hadn't created anything yet. So they thought it was the same thing. And that was the point where I had to educate people. I'm like, no, like you create a digital product once you launch it multiple times and educating them on those kinds of things. So that when I opened doors for launch magic, they were ready for that. Um, I also do really recommend people launch with webinars 
or like some kind of launch trigger that could be a five-day challenge. It could be a video series. Personally, I find webinars work really well and I've noticed they work really well with my students as well. Um, challenges and video series are, I personally think they're a bit more work <laughs> and they don't convert as well because you're not live in the room with somebody. Whereas when you're live on a webinar, you know, there's so much good energy. They've got the energy of everyone else around them. They've got the energy of you as a host. They're spending an hour with you. That, they convert beautifully. Um, but I mean, honestly, like there's no real, I, I, I don't like using the word like must or should because I think somebody launching something and doing a really scrappy job of it is better than not launching anything at all. Right. Yeah. Right. They say done is better than perfection. Right. Is that the same? Exactly. Same. Yeah. <laughs> that are important. Exactly. And you know what? If you if you're waiting until you launch your podcast before you're ready to launch your online course. I, I would just say launch the online course once. The next time you launch it, you can add your podcast in the mix. The next time you launch it, you can add a webinar in the mix. You know, you don't have, it doesn't have to be perfect the first time around. You can all think of it as like an experiment each time. And each time you do the experiment, you're like, okay, cool. What can I change now? What can I add? What can I do better? And eventually you'll have this launch that's dialed down. That's like, you know, it feels perfect. It feels good, but it's not going to be perfect the first time. That's very helpful. <laughs> uh, by the way, I did, um, I myself kind of wondering also what you think about it. So I actually have launched my signature course and I did it through a challenge. And what I did on that challenge that I don't think is the way most people do it is to do it on Zoom. So I, uh... I wasn't planning on doing it that way, but I was like, to your point, I was like, I need to see them and feel them and like have that community around us, you know? And, and I have to say, I did that the night before I made, I, you know, texted my assistant, we, we called and made a kind of a last minute change, but I think that's why everyone converted so well is because we all really had that community that we just felt like we knew each other. You know what I mean? I love that. I'm going to, I'm doing a five day challenge in a month's time. I think I might swipe that idea. <laughs> and I'm happy to share my, any, anything like you can go look and see exactly how it went down. It's all recorded. So yeah. I'm yeah happy to cool. It's just not the typical way, but it just, you know, when you have a feeling in your business and you're just like, Oh, how am I going to go for it? It was totally that moment where it was like, it's my business. I'm just going to try it. You know, I have nothing to lose, but I think it really, I love that. I got a hundred percent conversion actually. So I want to ask you about how on earth you have crafted a huge business and still manage to take time off to the, to the extent that you have. So there's a lot behind that. It's that's no accidents all by design. Can you share with us, you know, how did you build and scale your team, key automations? Like, what is the secret? We're all missing it. And you're off on vacation making a crazy amount of money. So please share. I honestly, it's so funny because I feel like so much of it happened accidentally. Um, a lot of my, a lot of my business is very software heavy. So, you know, I've got all of the automations in the back end. I have all my courses on Kajabi. I use, you know, Zapier to connect all of my different things. Um, and my team is very lean. It's myself. I have a VA and I have an online business manager. And then I have a copywriter who 
works on like a contract basis and a graphic designer who does that as well. So very, and and a Pinterest manager. And that's basically my entire team. It's very, very lean. So I think for me, the big difference is I don't, I don't do client work anymore. That, that was the stuff that was taking up a lot of time. So I haven't, I haven't done any client work in about a year now. And I've really just doubled down onto my evergreen funnel and my live launches. And the, the evergreen funnel requires basically no ongoing work from me. So that's great. So I've been able to step back from that. And then the live launches, I do them twice a year. It's a couple of months of work plus a couple of months of teaching it. And then in between the live launches, I can almost lock up and leave my business. I just did that. I I spent a month traveling around Australia in a camper van a couple of, uh, yeah, about three weeks ago. I just got back from that and it was great because I finished my course. The next day I picked up the rental van. My dog and I bundled into the van and we disappeared off for a month, came back and it was straight back into launch mode. And now... I know like I've got until I've got launch now, then I've got three months of teaching it. And then in August, I know that's like my next trip is planned in August. And it's really good because each time I take a trip, it's like, okay, I want to be completely away from my business. And that means what do I need to be able to get off of my plate and into somebody else's hands so that I can step away from the business and the wheels aren't going to fall off. So it gives me like that deadline to delegate. That's brilliant. And it's so interesting to hear where you place people and how you have your schedule all kind of planned out. Like you, that is, it's so important. That is such goals for someone like me, where we're just really starting to lean into our business super hard and getting Mm. to the point where you are like, I do, you know, these trips, these are my launches. Like you already have it all. There's no um, variability in a sense of like, am I going to have to be working a hundred hours a week or, you know, nothing's by the seat of your pants. It sounds like, and I'm sure you have your own stress, stresses and things. It's not to minimize the fact I mean, you, you obviously uh, have built quite the business and that was no accident, but it's just so important to hear, you know, for myself and for others listening, like the art of the possible, because I think so many of us have, have left a big thriving corporate job or, um, you know, I know a lot of women out there in particular, they have families and, you know, it's, it's this constant tug of war of like, how do I have meaning and purpose in my business and a great income and still have a life? And that Mm. is like, you know, nirvana for everybody. And just for you to achieve that is, is important for us to get exposure to someone like that and see. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing is, working out like what do I want my life to look like and then designing my business around that not building a business and then trying to fit my life around that that's been the biggest game changer for me but um also you know like where was I going with this I've lost my train of thought (laughs) oh the, the art of the possible yeah so this is um this has been a really interesting thing for me in the last year because I had never really talked about money to my audience. And then my business hit a million dollars last year. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to talk about this. And it triggered a lot of people. I lost a lot of followers and I got a lot of people who were like, Oh, why are you talking about money now? But, but then a lot of the majority of people were still like, actually, this is really good because if you can do it, 
so can I. And I was like, that's exactly why I'm talking about it. I'm not talking about it to be like, Hey guys, I made a million dollars. I'm talking about it to be like, Hey, if I can build my, if I can build a business and take it to a million dollars in a couple of years, it's possible for you too. Well, that right there. See, that's what I take from it. When I hear this, I'm like, wow, like she is really, it's part of the education. And I, I have to say, I think it's fabulous that you've done that. Um, that makes me really shocked and surprised to hear that folks would, um, you know, I don't know, just mm. punish you for your success in that way. That's actually really disappointing. Um, but I want to ask you about the role that your podcast plays. And here's the thing, for those of you mm. that have not heard Socialette, it's unlike anything you've ever heard. And I, it's like, I chuckle every time because you come in here and you publish your podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and it's, you know, six or seven minutes and you literally drop like some gems on us and then it's done. And, and it's so consumable and you always, are you know fully engaged like you as we as the listener I mean we're so engaged because every moment of it counts and it's it's just powerful can you explain I guess it's two questions one how did you come up with this idea for the it's a very different unique format that you've leaned into and it clearly is working for you so where did that come from and then what role does the podcast play in your business is it something you monetize is it something that is just um part of your brand and a lead generator and things like that um share yeah so the idea i <laughs> i came up with the idea because i thought i want to launch a marketing podcast but there's so many out there already and i started looking at what was missing i started chatting to people and I asked them like, why, like, what do you not like about the podcast at the moment? And everyone was like, well, I want to learn about marketing and I want to learn about online business, but I don't want to spend 45 minutes listening to an episode to learn one tiny little thing. So I thought, okay, well, that's easy. Let me make them five minutes long and let me make it so that people learn something in each episode. And that was really the whole thought process behind it. And it's just kind of evolved over time. I mean, when I first started that podcast, that was when I was the generalist marketer teaching everything about mar all the different kinds of marketing and as my business has evolved so has the podcast so if you go back to like the early episodes I'm talking about Facebook ads I'm talking about email marketing now I'm talking predominantly launching digital products podcasting um, and it's fine you know like I, a lot of people are worried to start a podcast because they think well I haven't decided what my niche is yet and I'm like well you know you can evolve it it doesn't have to be this thing that once you've created it it stays like that forever um, and then in terms of the role that it plays in my business, it's more of a nurturing tool than anything else. Uh, that's how I see it. I know that people have become my customers after listening to me talk about my course on there. They've gone and bought the course. I know that a lot of the time people will sign up to my email list from it. But for me, I think of it predominantly as the place where I share content to get people to where they need to be to buy from me when they're on the webinar. So it's like the big, it's a big part of my launch strategy is the podcast. Oh, that's very helpful. Yeah. And you know, you, you actually made a point that resonated with me around, you know, your podcast can definitely change because we were speaking earlier and I'll share it here too, is that my podcast that I started last year in quarantine was simply a form of expression. And mm. it took a lot of guts just to go out there and, and, by the way, figure it all out and, and all that stuff. But, you know, as I kind of started leaning 
further into my business, I refined the purpose and mission of the podcast. And it's evidence, like you say, exactly like yours. Yours was broad. Now it's very niche down. Mine was very lifestyle-esque, still great content. Now it's more focused on, you know, business and, and things of that nature. So, you know, I do think it's, it's true. I mean, you and I both have had that experience and it's not like we've been doing this for 10 years. I mean, you've been doing it for three years, I think. And, um, you yeah one or two episodes now um you know so it's yeah I love that idea that it can be living and breathing and grow and change with you and um and I agree it's a great way for folks to get to know us and for us to just build the know like and trust as they say so I, I yeah. love it yeah, yeah. and you're, you're in somebody's ears three times a week for five minutes. I mean, yours, they're in there for longer and and it's hard for people to not start to feel like they know you yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you've been one of my best friends for, for at least a year. And you know, I, I was like, oh, she doesn't know me back, though. So I actually have to tell her who I am, which is awkward because we're actually best friends. So anyway, there is, that is a real thing. Where I feel like I know you so well. I know your history. I know your fails, your wins, your all the things. Um, it's, we have such a special deep bond, Steph. You didn't know that, did you? I didn't know that. No, it's funny that it's funny that you say that though, because I've had, I've actually had people come up to me in public. Like I've had somebody recognize me I've had, twice now that people have recognized me in public. And I'm like, this is why I started a podcast. I wanted to be anonymous. I didn't want people to recognize my face. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Now I have, I have another question. It's a little bit like um, kind of almost backtracking for a second, but I, I do, I do want to ask you this. What do you say to the person that comes from a more traditional, let's say corporate background, like you and I both had, both came from a big four and um, you know, finance advisory, just very interesting similarities there. And, you know, it's really tough to walk away from, especially a very decent paycheck, right? Every week, it's a sure thing. It's, you get tons of benefits and all this kind of stuff. So to the person that's kind of like trying to leave that and wants to like lean into this next phase. And I know you talked a little bit about this in your mindset podcast, actually, mm -hmm. um, a couple episodes ago, which was important, but like when it feels scary, like why should we take that next step or how should we, what are things that positive things we can say and take, take like, what can we do to take the leap of faith with confidence? Mm, I think, and I think like you can learn from my mistake here. I didn't have a profitable business and I didn't have a whole lot in savings. Like I just bought an apartment. So all my money had gone into my deposit for that. Um, so I was not prepared to leave, but I was just in such a toxic environment that I had to. But I think for somebody who's, you know, like they don't hate their job or they're very comfortable there and you, you haven't got that thing that's like spurring you to leave right now. I think the best thing you can do is to make sure that you have a little bit of cushioning, a little bit of like financial cushioning of some form, or you know that your business is profitable and you're never going to be like, Oh, a hundred percent ready. Like my, my business is going to make me all of this money. You've got to understand you are going to have to take a little bit of a pay cut most of the time for a couple of months at least. And that's okay because it's actually worth it in terms of lifestyle. I mean, I would, I, there are times I've looked back and I'm like, I would have sacrificed a lot of my salary to 
have a more cushy lifestyle. And I wasn't even on a huge salary. Like I was a grad. Um, so I think making sure that you can just have like some little things in place to just help ease your mind and then realize like you're never going to feel a hundred percent ready. And you've just got to at some point decide, okay, enough is enough. I'm going all in and just do it. You know, it's, it's, it's so hard because we sit there thinking like, I'm, I'll do it when I'm ready. I'll do it when I'm ready. And you're never going to feel ready. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I loved, you even said something that was so important, which was like, you know, you're, you can't look at it from like what you're leaving and like the safe, you know, all the safe stuff that you have. You didn't use these words by the way, but what you said, <laughs> you have to think of it more from like what you would not be achieving, right? Like what could have been, I think is what you said. Like, and, and, you know, it's sort of, it's a more, instead of coming from a mindset of scarcity and fear, you're coming from a much more proactive, positive, the art of the possible type of a, like a confidence mindset. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think that's yeah. really, it's hard to do, but I think it's very powerful and important. And also like, don't underestimate your, um, don't underestimate your tenacity. Like, you know, you might be looking at your business now, your side, if you're side hustling, you might be looking at it being like, well, it's not making as much money as I would like it to make. But there's two parts to that. Firstly, it's a side hustle. You're not putting your whole attention into it. Can you imagine how much more money you could make if you were doing that full time? And then secondly, you know, when, when, you're, when you're broke, like I was, you will do whatever you need to do to make it, to make money and to make it happen. You will put in the hours, you will make those phone calls, you will put your face on social media, whatever needs to happen for you to bring that income in. Don't underestimate like your ability to do that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think finding the business that really lights you up and, mm. you know, having that fire in your belly is, the thing that will carry you across the finish line, you know? Definitely. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is so, so wonderful. Maybe one last quick, quick question. <laughs> we only have about five minutes and I know you are a busy boss. <laughs> I want to respect your time, but you know, I think that it's dangerous misinformation to think that, oh, I should be able to be making a million dollars a year in you know, a handful of months. And I see these, these supposed success stories about people that are overnight success or quick wins, you know, and, you know, zero to million dollars in no time. Like, what is your response? And how much time do you think we should be thinking about in terms of really launching a meaningful, profitable business in the online space? Mm. Yeah. And this is the thing. So a lot of people look at my business and because they only just started following me in the last year to them, it feels like I'm an overnight success. They, they didn't see the other businesses that I had before the one that was finally successful. So it's really, it's, it is really difficult. Um, I think if I were to start from scratch, I think I'd be able to get it to a million dollars in maybe a year and a half. If I were to really put in the time and effort, um, but I think, you know, there's no timeline, you know, it might take some people, it takes some people 10 years, 15 years, some people never reach it. And that's fine. If, um, if you, if your dream life is that you work three days a week, that's totally fine. You just have to realize it might take you a little bit longer to reach a million dollars, but that's fine because maybe that's not something that you prioritize. Like, do you even really value reaching a million dollars? 
Like, why, why do you want that in the first place? And like, as a side note, just because somebody's business makes a million dollars, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a million dollars in profit. I mean, I spent my business, I spent, I think $400,000 just on Facebook ads last year. So yes, my business made a million dollars, but it, 400,000 of that went to Facebook before it didn't even land in my bank account. Um, and you know, just because somebody's making a million dollars a year doesn't mean that's the, their salary either. So we need to be really careful. Like there's a joke in the online space about the person who made a million dollars a year, but spent $999,999 to make on ads to make that million dollars. So yeah, pay, be careful who you listen to. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for, I, I just love your honesty. You're, you're so humble, down to earth, grounded, and just really such a valuable resource. I mean, you really, I just, I really appreciate you putting out so much into the world and so much great information and, and you're just wonderful. So how can, oh, thank you. you? We'll, we'll make sure that folks can, um, you know, fangirl over you just the way I do. <laughs> can you, where can we find you if we want to? Yeah. Yeah. So my website is stephtaylor.co. That's where my products and things live. I am most active on Instagram at stephtaylor.co on there. And my podcast is Socialette. You can find it in all of the major podcast apps, or you can find it at stephtaylor.co forward slash podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our stories. I will see you again, same time, same place next week.